Hello and welcome back to another episode, crossover edition between the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, so wherever you are listening to this podcast today, thank you. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys. Today is Thursday, September 8th, and it is the start of the NFL season. We are kicking off tonight between the Rams and the Bills, and I'll tell you guys right now, I'm on the Rams plus 2.5. I've also teased the Rams up to 8.5, along with the Vikings plus 8.5. That is my underdog to make a small dog a big dog. You tease guys who are both plus 2.5. You get them through the 3, through the 7, and up to that plus 8.5. Those are great teaser legs. Combining those two legs together is a minus 115 proposition. And let's get it started. We got two units going tonight. I also lean towards the over on this game. However, because it is at 52.5, we are on the wrong side of some major key numbers in the 50s. And therefore, I will not be playing. If this game does come down to a 51 or maybe a 51.5, I would look to play a little bit on the over. But that's not what we're here for today. Today is not a betting show. Today is a DFS-focused episode where we are going to be talking about the value players on the DFS slate. The guys who are priced in the middle range, who are certainly undervalued in my opinion. And some of the guys who are really low values who might actually step up and perform. When you build a DFS lineup, you got to pick your spots, both on the high end of price tags and the low end. And you need those guys to hit. So we are going to go through some of the best options for middle and low-end spends. If you want to go back and listen to the Tuesday episode, we went through each position and the higher-up spend-up guys and discussed the guys we liked. We talked about the Chiefs-Cardinals matchup being a matchup we are going to key on, whether that be with quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Nick Knack, Patty Wack, give me a Mahomes. That's my guy. Kyler Murray. And then we're stacking in that game with guys like Ertz or Kelsey or Juju or Hollywood Brown. DeAndre Swift is a running back in a PPR setting we absolutely love. And we were building a core around that tight end of either Ertz or Kelsey, running back of Swift, wide receiver of Hollywood or Juju, and quarterback of Kyler or Knickknack Patty Wack. I still firmly believe in these core lineups and they will be discussed Saturday when we do the core four episode but today is about value spends so let's go through it let's pull up the DraftKings odds and let's talk about each position and who might be a viable option if that's where you decide to save some money All right, if I'm looking at quarterback now I'll tell you right off the bat the lowest option for a starting quarterback is Joe Flacco of the Jets at 4,800 DFS dollars. That is a clear avoid for me 
that does not hold value. We talked on the Tuesday episode about how that Ravens-Jets game is sharp towards the under, how familiarity leads to less scoring, how Flacco is familiar with the Ravens coaching staff, how the Ravens defense brings endless blitzing and pressure, even though Wink Martindale is not still with the team. Let's not overreact and think the Ravens are not going to be a very, very blitz-heavy defense. So, would I go with Joe Flacco? No, I would not go with Joe Flacco. Working my way up the value quarterbacks, we have starter Mitch Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett as the next two options. Those are, again, two people I am avoiding. I have talked on this podcast about how I like to go spend up on the quarterbacks. So looking at those things is just not going to be too appealing for me. If I am going to go with a value quarterback, to me there's one clear option and it's Jameis Winston. He's 5,300, tied with his backup, Andy Dalton. Someone explain to me why Jameis, who throws for like 5,000 yards a season, is priced the same as his backup when Jameis is the clear starter. Andy Dalton is not going to see the field if Jameis has healthy snaps throughout the game. He is below Jared Goff, Mac Jones, Carson Wentz. Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill. These guys don't put up the fantasy numbers that a quarterback like Jameis does. I expect Jameis to be a bit of a chalk play. They are playing against the Atlanta Falcons, who are projected to be amongst the worst teams in the NFL. The Saints are favored in that game by five and a half. The line movement has moved towards the Saints. The Saints are a sharp team that people are backing in the futures department. So I do expect week one there to be people coming in and saying, I could get value quarterback. I just did my fantasy draft. Everyone's telling me to go a late round quarterback in my season long fantasy draft. That is not the same as the DFS space. The DFS space is about finding that one week blow up guy who is in an amazing opportunity and can score 40 points. So to me, those options are Mahomes and Kyler this week. And I am going to be spend up on a quarterback. But if you wanted to spend down, you would look at a guy like Jameis or maybe even Justin Fields if you want to go for the rushing aspect. Where's Trey Lance on this? Trey Lance would be the other name. Again, if, if, if you want to go with a rushing floor, he could be the guy. And the middle of the pack guy that I think is mispriced, I mentioned this on last Tuesday's episode, is Jalen Hurts. I am super into Jalen Hurts this year as a fantasy player. I think in a few weeks, we are talking about Jalen Hurts amongst the most expensive quarterbacks every week. So right now, he is not. He is behind Aaron Rodgers, behind Lamar Jackson. Oh, I guess he's only fifth. He is still the fifth highest quarterback, but I do think he continues to slide up, and this might be a week where he is undervalued compared to his competition. In the running back department, the first value name on the list has got to be Saquon Barkley. He's below Josh Jacobs and Alexander Madison. Can someone please explain that to me? Like, actually, hit me up on Twitter, at mfiddle14, and explain to me why in the world would Alexander Madison cost $100 more on a DFS week one slate that Dalvin Cook is healthy than Saquon Barkley. 
If you listen to the episodes on my Advantage feed where I talked about my week one bets, one of the bets we are hammering was the Giants plus 6.5. It has been since sharped down to plus 5.5, and the line probably still holds value. People are all over the Giants in that game. Big money bettors are really backing the Giants. So for me, that means follow that, take the value on Saquon. Saquon can maybe even slide over to the core. It makes no freaking sense where he's priced right now. Below Alexander Madison and $200 more expensive than Mark Ingram, who will be backing up Kamara. I don't get it. I think there's clear opportunity there. And Saquon's a name that we have to point out. If I'm going to keep sliding down the list right now, Antonio Gibson. I mean, could we have worse training camp reports this season than Antonio Gibson? However, in an unlikely situation, and I hate to say there's value because of it, but this is a DFS show and I hate myself for saying it, but there's value because of it. The guy who was supposed to supplant Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr., Literally got shot and is going to miss time. He is okay. He was shot in the butt numerous times. He was dealing with tons of swelling in his legs and glutes. He's got a lot of healing to do. He is not going to be playing for at least the first four weeks. And that simply opens up touches and opportunities for a guy like Antonio Gibson. And if we factor in the the part of he had such negative training camp coverage... There's a chance that Antonio Gibson has volume while also being a low-owned player. Even though the circumstances feel weird for me to recommend, I would understand a play on Antonio Gibson. Travis Etienne Jr. I mean, are we sold on him being an absolute pop candidate this season? If it is, now's your time to start. I probably will not be looking that direction. However... If you think he is going to be a guy and pop off this season, get in that train early on the DFS space and start backing a guy like that every week until the number drastically changes. It's a similar thing I was talking about with the Jalen Hurts. I'll talk about this with a few receivers in a second. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is another one who might fit this mold. $5,400. He's in that Chiefs-Cardinals game. This guy is the lead back. They signed Ronald Jones and the seventh-round rookie Isaiah Pacheco. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had gallbladder surgery last year and underperformed. This year, he is healthy. He is a power back and a power running scheme. Andy Reid has historically had dominant RB1s. I'm kind of buying on the CEH train. And at 5,400 in a game that is Kansas City, Arizona, I'm interested. Elijah Mitchell, if the 49ers are going to continue to be one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL and they're playing against the Chicago Bears, he is a good option at 5,400 as well. Chase Edmonds, 5,200, is the same as Khalil Herbert and Ronald Jones. Now, the Sharps are all over Edmonds from a season-long fantasy perspective. And again, same thing. If he's an undervalued player and a mispriced player, Get in while that number is low and ride that until it continues to rise up to where it should be. Damian Pierce is the name at 4,800. 
who is cheap and is going to be absolute chalk. I am not going to be playing this. It is a situation I do not want to play into the chalk. Again, chalk means this guy is going to be played by a lot of lineups. You might get into your league and 60% plus of your lineups of your competition are playing Damian Pierce. So if you have Damian Pierce in your lineup, it's kind of, you know, cross it off. You chalk it up to a neutral, net neutral. It doesn't matter if he does well. It doesn't matter if he does bad. Since kind of everyone has him, it doesn't affect the standings that much. Damian Pierce is going to be one of those guys this week because his price tag is pretty low. He is the starting running back for the Houston Texans, but he is going against the Indianapolis Colts, who I think are perhaps the best defense heading into the season. And I would avoid Pierce. I don't not, I do not think the Texans are going to run Pierce into the ground in a season where they are rebuilding and they believe he is one of their core pieces for the future. I think the plan with Dame, uh, Damian Pierce is to give him 10 to 12 carries, 14 carries a week, not overexpose him, but give him the right run and opportunity to develop and have him split time with a guy like Rex Burkhead. In week one, I might even prefer Rex Burkhead, even though I am not going to be playing either of them. I do not think there's any running backs below the Damian Pierce level that I would be willing to go. This will change in the coming weeks. Because we will get injuries to the running back position, it is the most injury-prone position, there will be significant value spots in lower-priced players in the coming weeks. Running back is going to be a majorly discussed topic in future Thursdays, but because this is week one, and because we were coming into the season with these guys healthy, none of them really played in the last preseason game. We went from four preseason games to three. We've had two weeks off since the last one. These guys are good to go, and thus it is harder to find a lower-priced player who's going to get those 15 carries because the starter is not injured. Let's take it over to the wide receiver. Because of what I just said, wide receiver is going to be the place to find some value this week for week one of DFS. There's obviously so many wide receivers on the list. It would be a waste of time for me to go through these and say yes or no on all of them. So instead, I will go through scrolling up from the bottom. So these guys are going to start with the cheapest players and then work to slightly more expensive players. I'm going to scroll up from the bottom of this list and tell you who are the options that I think are viable for these value play dart throws. Let's start with James Prochet. Is this first name even James? Yeah, James Prochet. He's the Baltimore Ravens' number two receiver, and if he catches a deep ball from Lamar, simply because he's playing a lot of snaps, he can absolutely pop off. And at 3300 only $300 above the basement floor price for a wide receiver, that could have some significant value if he's running routes for pass catches on 80% of the snaps. Paris Campbell. Indianapolis Colts. Again, similar thing. If he's the number two for Matt Ryan in a game where they should win, that holds value if he is running routes on 80% of the times Matt Ryan throws the football. That leads to seven, eight, nine targets, six catches, 
65 yards, and maybe a touchdown. To get that at 3,300 is insanely amazing. Jahan Dotson, 3,400. This is a place I'm definitely looking for my lineups. He will not be in the core, but I find it hard to imagine that Dotson is not in one of my lineups this weekend. He's 3,400. He's on the Washington Commanders playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who ranked 27th in points per in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers last year. Dotson training camp reports have been insanely amazing. He has absolutely secured the number two wideout, and he is going to be, again, running routes on nearly every single time Carson Wentz throws the ball. Carson Wentz has shown himself to be a reliable quarterback in providing receivers some fantasy numbers. He was Michael Pittman's quarterback last year. Pittman went off. We'll talk about Pittman in two seconds. Dotson's got to be a candidate because if the commanders move the ball, if Wentz is half decent, if they get 300 yards, let's chalk up McLaurin for 95 of them, and then where are the next 205 coming from? Again, that's another place for a potential 75 yards, six catches, and a maybe touchdown from Dotson. All right, Randall Cobb. Oh, man. This is going to be a big, big chalk play. Big, big chalk. Big piece of chalk. Blue chalk, green chalk, big chalk. Randall Cobb. It's definitely green chalk because it's the Packers. Big piece of green chalk. Randall Cobb. If Alan Lazard is out for week one and the um, Packers starting pass catchers are Romeo Dubs, Dobbs, Dubs, I've heard enough people say it both ways to not to be so confused into knowing which one it is. Robert Tunyon, the tight end. Randall Cobb. And that Watson guy, the other rookie. One of those guys is going to be maybe even more than them. It's going to be fantastic in week one. If Lazard is out, Taking a flyer on Cobb, who is a trust blanket for Aaron Rodgers, in week one, where Rodgers has been complaining about the young receivers in preseason, seems like a really good candidate to get seven or eight targets from the best guy to ever sling the football. There are going to be so many people that sign up for Randall Cobb at 3,400, playing against the Vikings, who ranked dead last in allowing fantasy points to wide receivers last year. Dead last. Randall Cobb has got to be considered an option. I am scrolling up the list. Rondell Moore, you want to take your shot on another receiver in that Arizona KC game? Go for it. Kadarius Toney, 4,100. We have not heard a single good thing about Kenny Galladay in five years. Kadarius Tony is a freak talent. The, the Sharps are all over the Giants. Titans were horrible against wide receivers last year. 4,100, Kadarius Tony. 
I'll consider it. Nico Collins, 4,200. He's the number two receiver for the Houston Texans. For Davis Dougie Mills, who are probably going to be losing the whole game and playing against the Colts, they're going to be throwing because they will be down. Second half game script being heavy to the pass. Nico Collins could be a guy to get eight-plus targets. Chris Olave, we talked about Jameis. If you're going to go with Jameis on a stack, you better have Olave in your lineup. Simple as that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Who is Patrick Mahomes' deep threat? Is he the guy that's going to catch bombs like Tyreek? If he is, that's a potential 30-plus point performance. Keep scrolling up. Christian Kirk, 5,100. Follow the money. That is a classic expression throughout sports. When a guy gets paid a massive contract, they're probably going to get him the ball. Save for Kenny Galladay. <laughs> but Kirk just got $80 million or something this, se- this offseason. Trevor Lawrence is going to get Kirk the ball. Adam Thielen. 5,400. Isn't Thielen coming in to this season as the most healthy he's been in four or five years with a new coach in Minnesota who wants to establish the short passing game? Thielen is a red zone ball hawk. I mean, are we looking at 10 targets and a potential touchdown for Thielen? 5,400? Absolute steal. Michael Pittman Jr. Probably been more than two seconds since I said I was going to talk about him in two seconds. This guy is priced at 5500 He's tied with Devonta Smith and Jamison Williams. He's below Alan Lazard, who's going to be out. Michael Thomas, who hasn't played in three years. He's below Robert Woods, coming off an ACL. It just makes no sense... What Pittman, who was a top-end wide receiver two last year, I think he finished on a season-long basis as the wide receiver 14 or 15. It makes no sense why he's priced amongst these guys. For me, it's almost a lock that Pittman will be in the lineup. Similar to the Saquon example, he is just so mispriced compared to his counterparts that you have to take the value there. He is playing against the Houston Texans. He is apparently catching every pass from Matt Ryan. He's like the only guy that Matt Ryan looks to. The guy is like six foot five. He's got that Plaxico Burris, Randy Moss height. And he's going to be a deep ball threat, a red zone threat, a spread the field threat, a through the numbers threat. There is going to be nothing that Michael Pittman shouldn't be able to do this season. And if you think about Matt Ryan and who he supported as his number one wide receivers in previous years, Julio Jones. It's Calvin Ridley. Monster fantasy studs. Could Pittman be that guy? Yes, he could. And at 5,500, we have to take our chance that he is that guy. Let's move over to tight end. There are three cheap tight ends that I think are worth it. This, Let's go with four. Four cheap tight ends that I think will be viable options. We already talked about Robert Tunyon. What's his price? Let me check. 3900 Definitely a viable option amongst the cheaper of starting tight ends. 
if he is going to catch a bunch of touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers two years ago when he was healthy, he had about 10 touchdowns. All you need from that tight end is to hit that week where he has that touchdown. So if Lazard is out, if Devontae Williams is out of town, if Aaron Rodgers is struggling with his young receivers, maybe Tunyon is a play. That was the fourth name I was going to add. The three names that I had on my list were Cole Komet, Hunter Henry, and Mo Cox. Again, these guys have good matchups. Should either be pass script games or touchdown opportunities. They're all very cheap in comparison to the higher priced players and should get a significant volume of target share that will be worth it. Hunter Henry had nine touchdowns last year. In every week where he had a touchdown, he was a top 12 tight end. In every week where he did not have a touchdown, he was not a top 12 tight end. Simple as that. You have essentially a 50-50 shot of him clearing the mark and being a good guy for you that week that pulled off the value. At such low of a price, in a divisional game against Miami, in a game where the Patriots are starting to open up the pass game, in a game where Miami offense should be good, where the game total has been bet from 44 up two points to 46 and a half. The Sharps are all over the over on that game. Hunter Henry could certainly produce. Cole Komet is going to be the chalk tight end. We have heard so much that Justin Fields and Cole are just seeing on and hitting on all levels. Cole Komet is pretty cheap. He is going to be a frequent play. If you go with Kyler Murray, if you go with Patrick Mahomes, I strongly suggest looking at their respective tight ends for that stack because there are some great receiver value options that we could choose to pay up for the tight end stack and then save money in the values by going with a guy like Randall Cobb. Zay Jones is another cheap receiver I forgot to mention. Certainly going to be a chalk play who will be a good, good viable option. So we can find value at wide receiver if we pay up for tight end this week. For defense, I am one that likes to pay up for defense. Give me the Colts going against second-year quarterback Davis Mills. Rookie running back, Damian Pierce. Second-year wide receiver, Nico Collins. The only veteran on that offense is Rex Burkhead and Brandon Cooks. The defense of the Indianapolis Colts is going to be dominant this year, and that starts with week one divisional game against the Houston Texans. I also think going with the Ravens, like I said, they bring that pressure, and they're going against the Jets. That simply creates a lot of opportunity for the Ravens' defense to create some scoring chances for themselves. 49ers playing against the Chicago Bears, same thing. If Justin Fields is on the move, Justin Fields is trying to create plays, he's also creating opportunities for the defense to come in and make a big play themselves. Those are the three places that I would look. If I wanted to go cheap, I would play into the sharp angles. I would play into the Giants going against the Titans. I would play into the Miami Dolphins going against the New England Patriots. Maybe the Steelers going against the Cincinnati Bengals. Find the underdogs that the Sharps are backing and back that defense if you want to go cheap on a defense. If you need to go cheap on a defense, 
at least consider what the option would be of swapping a higher price player somewhere else for a lower price player and getting a better defense. Defenses are really important in fantasy. Miami Dolphins scored nine points per game last season, while the Lions three and a half. If we look at the difference between Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, it is not the same as the difference between those two defenses. So take this into consideration that your defense is actually a very important part, and going and getting a good defense could really help you. Again, most people do not do this. Most people try and save on defense and try and find better players elsewhere because they think that's the right strategy. I disagree. And I also think it's advantageous to get a low-owned, high-value defense because, again, if they do get that pick six, they do get those sacks, if they do hold their opponent to low score and put up their 10 fantasy points that they should, that's a huge boon to your chances of bringing home money. So that is the Thursday edition of the episode where we are talking about the value players in the DFS space going through each position. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, please reach out to me on Twitter. I'm happy to address players I haven't talked about. I'm happy to switch up the template of the show if there's something that will be more effective for you as a listener. Go back and listen to some of my key gambling episodes on my feed, The Advantage. Go back and listen to the Spend Up Options, the Tuesday episode. And make sure to check back on Saturday for the Core 4 lineup. I will also give a bit of some DFS context in that episode. I know I did not get to it today. But again, today was a player-focused discussion. And we will save that for Saturday when I will review my Week 1 bets. I will review how I sign up for DFS tournaments and which ones I choose. There is some strategy behind that. And locking in which players are going to be in our core lineup. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Thank you guys for listening to the second crossover edition of the podcast between the Advantage and the DFS Today pod. We will be back on Saturday to talk about some more football. And we will have one game in the books. And we'll be getting ready for an entire Sunday slate of NFL football I am in California now, which means on Sunday for the September 11th week one slate, I will be starting binging NFL Red Zone at 10 a.m. And my guess for this weekend, besides that Jahan Dotson is going to be a wide receiver two candidate, is that my guy Scott Hansen is going to be gray suit, white shirt, no tie, top two buttons undone. I'll see you on Sunday, Scott. I can't wait to see you again. Peace out.